the hell am I doing? Like, why am I wasting my time basically in my full-time job and not being able to take advantage of all of the opportunities that exist for me in this world that I've created for myself right now. I actually went to the Super Bowl party um, that was hosted by a brand that I work with now. And basically it was in that moment or like at that event that I was like, okay, I am putting in my plan to quit my job. It starts with just taking that leap. Man, you have to work hard. You have to be incredibly smart. Choose something that even if it fails, even if it fails you are going to be proud of it. doesn't matter how badly you got beaten down. Be kind, be kind, be kind. Become a better person, a better leader, a better business. Go with your gut. <laughs> I'm Samuel Donner, and this is Finding Founders. After trying every avenue of corporate life, Michaela stood at a crossroads. She could either stay at her steady job and work her way up the corporate ladder, or finally dive full force into the social media world. Now, we know that Michaela Alaka, also known by the handle of Break Your Budget, made the right decision. With over 700,000 followers on TikTok and 125,000 Instagram followers, a book deal, and a podcast, Michaela's affinity for budgeting has brought her far away from the cubicle and into the eyes of millions of viewers. Yet, to get to this point, Michaela first had to learn how to treat her hobbies as serious commitments and understand how to value her needs before her work environment's demands. And if we go even further back, her story began with a digital piggy bank and a few cold pitchers of lemonade. When did that become an interest of yours, like in terms of like money and finance and like budgeting and just being like the person that was good at that? So it's so funny because I've always been interested in money. Like my first, I guess, money memory growing up was when I was younger, my mom gifted me for Christmas a bank. Like I was always obsessed with having a lemonade stand, making money. And I would take my allowance and put it into like this mechanical bank that she gave me. It would count my coins. It would count my dollars. And so it was always something that I was interested in ever since I was a kid. Every weekend, I would sit down at the end of my driveway and I would set up a little lemonade stand. My mom would go to the store and buy like big cases of water bottles. I made crystal light lemonade and anybody who drove by, it was like a dollar for a water bottle and 50 cents for lemonade. And all of the money that I that I made from doing that, I would put into my little like digital piggy bank. And then throughout my childhood, my mom would give my sister and I $5 a week for allowance. But in order to get that, we had to clean up our room every day, make our bed every day and do our chores like after dinner. And I just became like completely obsessed with seeing the number on my piggy bank go up and up and up. And there was nothing that I even really wanted to buy by the time I reached like my teenage years. I think I had saved up like a thousand dollars, which when you're 13 is a ton of money. Um, And it got to a point where I was like, what am I going to do with all of this? And I came to this decision of like, I'm either going to buy like a computer or I'm going to buy a puppy. And I ended up convincing my parents to like, let me get a dog and the dog cost $600. And that was like me spending my life savings on something. And yeah, that was kind of the beginning, I guess, of my whole interest obsession with saving money, having money, 
and using my money on something. It's really cool. It seems like your your parents like actually encouraged that too, because I'm, I'm sure your parents could have also bought you that dog. But the fact that you were not only you were responsibly spending like or saving that money, and then you were gaining like this new responsibility of taking care of a dog by using the money that you had responsibly saved. It's like this, I, I feel like a really great lesson in what it means to be like frugal and financially responsible and just like responsible in general. So did you, when, when did you start like thinking about it, I guess like in more advanced terms um, where like it turns from like, hey, I'm just putting this money into the bank to like, did, did it turn into uh, stocks or investments or um, like this is the percentage that I should put away and, and spend? Like, like wh when did it start to get a little bit more advanced? It became more advanced in terms of investing and creating a real budget when I graduated college because that's when I started to make money. But throughout like my high school years, my mom was very focused on teaching me the value of a dollar. Like that was something my parents really drove home for me. She actually had a rule where after work in high school from ninth grade, obviously to 12th grade, we weren't, my sister and I both were not allowed to come home before five o'clock. So we either needed to do a sport or we needed to get a job. And I had like multiple jobs in high school. I worked at a gelato store. I worked at a panini store. I worked as like a copy clerk at a law office. And every dollar that I earned, I saved to use on like service trips or travel that I wanted to do in high school. And my parents could have sent me on those trips without me doing that. But my mom's rule was, if you want to go, you need to save the equivalent of what it costs to go on this trip. And then once I got a job and had a salary and was dealing with more money than I'd ever made before, I really got serious about like, okay, what do I actually want to do with this? And realistically, what can I do with it? Where do I see myself going? How do I want to increase my income? It was always something that I was obsessed with. Investing was a little bit more of a journey, but budgeting and creating a budget was always something that came naturally to me. So what was that first job like out of college? Was it something that you enjoyed? Was it uh, a, a rude awakening from school? Like what, what was that like? Yeah, I would say it was not a job that I enjoyed. Um, it definitely was a rude awakening. So I was working in like the financial group at a large insurance company and I was in a rotational program. So I was doing different jobs every year. We got put into like a new placement and I just really didn't like the work-life balance. I didn't like the culture of the company. I was being paid pretty well at the time. This was 2017 when I graduated college and I was making $62,000 a year, which as a new grad, six years ago was really good yeah and i didn't like the job i but i was happy with what i was making i was contributing to my 401k i was making friends so that sort of masked i guess my distaste in what i was doing did you know immediately like i like hate this or was it just like a slow burn it took time because when you go into your first job after college you kind of have no idea what you're doing and I think even internships, I did a lot of different internships. And when you're an intern, you are treated differently than when you're a full-time employee. So like your first job after college 
is an entirely different ballgame compared to your internship, even if it's at the same company. And so I looked at it as like, okay, I don't really like what I'm doing. I don't like my manager. It could just be a fluke in my first rotation, like I'm in a rotational program so that I can get different experience. But after I had rotated and like talked to my peers that were in the program in different units and like seeing what they were doing, I kind of figured out like, okay, this is not a productive use of my time and I need to figure out a different plan. But I think it takes a year really in your first job to decide if you like it or don't. Well, but also like, I mean, some people realize that they don't like it and then stay there 20 years. It's really easy to get trapped. So how did you untrap yourself? I am the kind of person that like, if I don't like something, I have to address it and I have to fix it. And once I like put my mind to, to it, like there's no changing my path or whatever. So in my mind, I was like, I'm working in finance. I don't particularly like this sector of finance. So like, let me go into a different one. And I was actually having a really hard time switching because within the financial industry, there's a lot of different avenues that you can take. And if you don't sort of enter the path or the silo that you want to be in for your career right out of college, making the switch is pretty challenging because you can go into like private equity or working at a hedge fund. You have to have a certain experience to do that right out of school. Or you can go into like investment research, which is what I really wanted to be doing. But my first rotation wasn't really doing that specifically. So in my mind, I was like, let me see if I can get a certification or something that's going to help me make this transition. So I signed up to take the CFA exam, the Chartered Financial Analyst exam. There's actually three tests. Very, very grueling exam. But I'm like, if I do this and I show that I'm serious about learning this knowledge and like learning all this information and applying it to the workplace, maybe I'll be able to get a job. Um, in this industry or the sector of the finance industry. So I set my 300 hours. That's how much it takes to study for the exam. And I ended up taking the test, passing it, and then having a connection who actually helped me get an interview in order to get a job. I learned a lot in that next job. I learned what I didn't like. I learned what I did like. And it was a good learning experience overall. But I was so focused on like salary growth and ultimately, that second job that I moved into, I didn't like either. Um, and that's when I was starting to realize maybe like this career path is not for me. And it was in that job that I actually started Break Your Budget because I reached a point of desperation of like, I have to find a way out of this. Was it, Was the actual goal like, I just can't work in this corporate world at all? Was it like like a need for creative expression um like what were you like what was like the true goal so there were a few um so i have a friend who was working in like the online business space she was actually originally a teacher started her own online business and found a lot of success from it and it was her suggestion originally um this was like the summer of 2019 and she was like you know, you're the person we all go to for financial tips. Like, why don't you do what I'm doing, but talk about personal finance? And I was like, okay, like, I'll give this a try. And early in your 20s, when, you know, you're single, you're trying to make friends, you're navigating, figuring out your life, 
it's really normal to turn to your career for like that internal fulfillment because you spent your whole life getting grades, being told what your next step is. And now you're in this phase where there is no next step. The next step is whatever you want it to be. And I think when you're young, like 22, 20 to 25, 26 is when you're like, okay, my career is how I'm going to find fulfillment in my life again. And I think you sometimes you reach a point where you're like, okay, it's actually not, but that comes later in your 20s. Um, And so that's kind of why I started it originally. I was like, I'm not finding this sense of happiness that I wanted to in my day job. So why don't I look for that in other ways? I think it was like a combination of feeling like I wasn't being paid appropriately for the work that I was doing wanting to channel like this pent up energy into something productive and having something that I wanted to talk about all wrapped into one. So what did it look like to create that first post uh, for Break Your Budget? Uh, Well, they're all archived now because they're embarrassing (laughs) as most first posts are. But I looked at it, it was all on Instagram. So in this period i mean no other social media platforms were really what people were doing besides youtube maybe um i feel like youtube was something that was really focused on like beauty creators or like blogs at the time very different culture than what it is now um but i was on instagram and i was really just posting like pictures of myself with long form captions explaining different concepts like i wasn't doing graphics or anything there was no video it took like a year before I saw any movement there. Um, but you posting for that long? I just like kept telling myself, if I keep doing this, like it will work. And th- I went through periods where, you know, I would be like, I'm wasting my time. Like this isn't going anywhere. I don't know what I'm doing. But I just kept saying like, it worked for my friend. It's worked for other people. Like, what do I have to lose by continuing to just post? And eventually, I mean, once I got onto TikTok, it started to pick up a little bit more, but eventually it worked. I think once we entered like the COVID era, I actually got a new job where I was making more money. So I was like, okay, I'm making more money. Like, I don't need to try and push this Instagram thing as hard anymore. Um, But then I just got bored being home. Like I moved home to my parents' house and I'm like, okay, well, this is my sign, I guess, to revisit this and double down on this again. And so I consumed TikTok content throughout the entirety of quarantine, like I think most people did. But I was so terrified of other people seeing me on TikTok because I'm like, I'm 27. So I'm like slightly out of the age group of what TikTok was appropriate for in 2020 pre-COVID. That culture obviously changed. But I'm like, I don't want people from my work to see this. I don't want my friends to see this. And I don't know what it was. I think, And she was like, if you're tired of men mansplaining crypto to you, like follow me and I'll teach you how to do it. And I don't know what it was about that video that resonated with me, but I recreated it with my own spin about like budgeting or personal finance. It was the first TikTok video I made and it went viral. And I got a ton of followers right off the bat. They all came over to my Instagram. I got tons of questions and I was like, it was very overwhelming, but it was also really like exciting and fun. Cause I'm like, okay, actually like this could turn into something. I had started to lose a little bit of steam 
and it just felt very real. So I just leaned into it. I started making more videos. I actually almost, I'm, I'm pretty sure my first like three months, I was a faceless TikTok account because I did a lot of notebook style videos where I would like write on a notebook and you could just see my hand in the notebook, but I'd be writing out like four financial accounts you need, three tips you need for this. And those videos just really did well on TikTok at the time. I think I hit 100,000 followers on TikTok within like 30 days. And at that point, that's when I started getting some more brand deals or brand deals in general. And that is where the ball for Break Your Budget overall really started to move. Like what were those brand deals like? How did you get them? So I actually monetized my channels or like all of my social media channels in a couple of different ways. But on the topic of brand deals, my first brand deal, they emailed me and they were like, we want to do a sponsored video with you. Like, what's your rate? And I was just like, why didn't you tell me a budget? I don't know what to say. So I'm just going to say my rate's a thousand dollars thinking that they were just never going to respond to that. But like, what did it matter to me kind of thing? And they responded and they were like, okay, like we'll pay you 900. And I was like, oh my God, like, okay, works for me. (laughs) And so that was like my first deal. We did the video. The video didn't do very well because sponsored videos never do very well. But like I got my money, moved on. And then I started getting a couple, a couple more. The next brand offered me $500 and I was like, okay, like I'll do it. And then the next brand was like, how, how, what's your rate for three videos? And I said $5,000 and they were like, okay, sounds good. And that's when I was like, whoa, let me see what happens. So I kept making videos. I was picking up sponsors as they came through. I had pretty much no filter on the sponsors. I'm like, if you want to do a video with me and you're going to pay me what, whatever I ask for, like I'm in. You said you were monetizing in other ways too. Yeah. So I had started break your budget originally like was making money by taking one-on-one budgeting clients. So I had a couple that I had on like a longer term basis where they wanted to meet with me weekly. So I was doing that and I kind of like slowed that down a little bit because I didn't really love working with people one-on-one. It felt like a lot of pressure and I didn't like, I had imposter syndrome. I'm like, why are they coming to me? Like, I don't have, I'm not licensed. We can't talk about investing. And I found that a lot of times people would want that sort of advice and I can't give it to them. So the lines on what was appropriate just also started to get a little blurry. So I stopped doing that. Um, But I had also been creating a template for myself to manage my own money because I'm like, I'm making this money from TikTok. I'm making money in my full-time job. I need to have a game plan here on what I'm doing. And in the past, I had always just used a very basic budgeting template but in my job, I was really getting deep into Excel. I was learning how to build financial models. So I'm like, let me see if I can make my own budgeting template that has all the things that I want. Because a lot of the sponsors I was working with were budgeting apps or like money management apps that were trying to make the process of budgeting automated. And so I would try those out. And I'm like, these just aren't working for me. I can't customize it. So I created my own template. And I would show on my Instagram, like, I'm working through my budget this week. This is what my expenses look like. And I started getting questions of, like, what's that template? I want it. Do you sell it? Whatever. And I'm like, 
let me make this better and sell it. And I packaged it up. I made it pretty. And I started creating content on Instagram and TikTok showing the template. And I posted it for sale on Teachable. I made like a little setup video and people started to buy it. And it just sort of turned into like a very sustainable source of income where I could post about what I was doing and show it how I use it in my life. And other people wanted that too because there are so many budgeting tools that exist whether it's an app or a spreadsheet but a lot of them get it wrong and so I feel like the template that I made sort of checks all of the boxes on what all these other solutions are missing and it's priced in a way that's like slightly uncomfortable for people that makes them think okay I'm investing in taking my finances seriously and I have somebody who I'm following online who's built in accountability for me and I'm going to do this and that message has really resonated with thousands of people obviously who have now trusted me to buy my products and now it's sort of evolved into a whole suite of templates at this point but my templates I make more money with my templates than I do with brand deals. I'm looking at this full-time job that you're having at this point and I'm like do you think that is as needed anymore I was doing break your budget from 2019 to 2021 as a side hustle before I even consider 2022 actually before I even considered leaving my full-time job in 2021 actually at my job I was making $85,000 was my salary and I made more money that year in break your budget income wow. through brand deals and my template sales yeah I made more money in 2021 than my full-time job and then in 2022 wow. I actually connected, I had already connected with him like on TikTok and stuff, but one of my friends, his name's Austin Hankwitz, and I connected with him in real life. He came out to LA because that's where I was living um, at that point. And he basically like, he invited me to a couple of events. Like I met a handful of different creators. He introduced me to some people that he works with at various companies. And I kind of had this moment where I'm like, the hell am I doing? Like, why am I wasting my time basically in my full-time job and not being able to take advantage of all of the opportunities that exist for me in this world that I've created for myself right now. Like, I don't know how long I'm going to be able to do this. I don't know how long this opportunity is going to be right in front of my face. Like, why don't I give it a try? I actually went to this Super Bowl party um, that was hosted by a brand that I work with now. And Basically, it was in that moment or like at that event that I was like, okay, I am putting in my plan to quit my job. I didn't quit my job the next day, but I'm like, I'm going to actually figure out like if I were to leave my job, how do I get insurance? How do I replace my benefits? How do I pay myself? How do I logistically make this happen in the near term? So I started to get the wheels moving on that. And it was around that same time that I was having some issues with my manager. I got passed over for a promotion. So I was like kind of at my wits end at work and all the stars aligned. And it was just like, I gave my two weeks notice at the end of March of 2022. Wow. My last day was April 8th, 2022. So about two months since that Super Bowl party. But once I made the decision to do it, 
it all just kind of happened. In those first few months out of my job, I had some really high months with um, my templates. I signed a pretty big brand deal and it just all fell into place. I gained some momentum and like I haven't really seen it slow down. How did it feel to like be fully on your own? I mean, it was definitely strange. For the first like six months, I would say I really struggled with just getting into a routine and like yeah. getting comfortable and used to how much time I had. But now that I had so much more time, I'm like, how can I make this better? What else do I want to do? How do I want to get onto other platforms? So like that's when I was starting to do YouTube a little bit more and taking my podcast more seriously. And so it just took a while for me to figure out like how much time to give myself for certain things, piecing everything together and creating a weekly workflow and like a structure was hard, but it felt really great to have full control over my life. And now I look back before I left my job and I'm like, how did I exist in a world where like I was being told what to do every day and I had to get on calls that I didn't want to get on, talk to people that I didn't want to talk to like. I thrive in my independence and having like autonomy and control over my life. And I've, in my time reflecting on my corporate career, I've learned that like I did not thrive in corporate because I have authority problems for one. Like I don't like being told what to do, but I just want to have control over my life. And when you work a nine to five job, you don't have control over your life between the hours of nine and five which is a massive amount of your life. Yeah, it just didn't work for me. And like, there's nothing wrong with working corporate. I get questions about that all the time. Like just because I had a bad time in corporate doesn't mean you have to. But if you like your job, like that's really great. I just didn't. And so I, I found a way to get out of it. And I'm really happy that I did. What are you doing today? And what are you most excited for in the future? Yeah, so right now I'm working on writing my second book, um, which is going to be coming out next summer. I'm preparing for my first book to come out, which is a whole experience in itself. And I'm just keeping the lights on with Break Your Budget. So I am a team of one. I do not have anybody who works for me. I don't have any freelancers. I do all my own editing for everything. And that keeps me busy. 40, 50 hours a week because I make content for Instagram. I post one to two times a day on there. I make content for TikTok, post on YouTube twice a week. I have a podcast. So I work with brands. So I am just spending a lot of my time keeping the lights on and thinking about different ways that I want to continue to scale. The most efficient way to do that I have learned has been to create better content. So that's where I spend most of my time. So in terms of like someone who maybe was in your position in like the corporate world, but hasn't made the leap, like what kind of advice do you think you would give those people? I would say to think about what you like to talk about and what you like to do and to find a way to integrate that into your day to day and dedicate an hour to it every single day, even on the weekends. Yeah, it has to become a part of who you are and what you're doing or else it will never take off. It will never come off of the ground. I think a lot of times people struggle with either monetizing their side hustle or like even finding something they wanna do because they treat it like a hobby. 
They don't treat it like a serious commitment from the beginning. And if you don't do that, it's human nature. Like you're not gonna stick to it. You're gonna find other ways to fill your time that are more fun or that require less effort or brain space. So that would be my best advice is like find something you're obsessed with and lean into it and commit to it. Be consistent for an hour every day, even if it feels like nobody's looking or nobody cares or people in your life are judging you, like let them. Um, but you'll make more money than them eventually. So it doesn't matter. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, rate the podcast five stars and share with a friend. If you have any questions or comments, DM us at Finding Founders Podcast on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook. Finding Founders is produced and hosted by me, Samuel Donner. Our chief of staff and operations is Jessica Lynn. Our audio editing team lead is Adrian Tapia. Support from Irene Van Berkel, Matt Fernandez, Renee B. Cannon, Sophia Donner, David Saidi, Ashley Jimenez, Nicholas Guzman, Aaron Devereaux, Sanessa Gisley, and Luis Choi. Our outreach and research lead is Kenny Ong. With support from Sarah Hobson, Cherise Tan, Harushi Kanauchi, Kristen Hagelin, Aya Cortez, and Valencia Lu. Our writing team lead is Elizabeth Bowen with support from Aiden Ashworth, Mickey Mikawa, Sylvie Wong, and Eric Mena. Our design team lead is Shruti Ramanand with support from Tiffany Dang, Yao Lil, and Dina Gabriel. To see more of what we're up to, subscribe to our newsletter at findingfounders.co. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.